0: We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the evening service. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you.
1: So, now all the Midianites, Amalekites and other eastern peoples joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Asherites to follow him. He sent messengers through Manasseh, calling them to arms, and also into Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali. So they too went up to meet them. Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. This time, make the fleece dry and the ground covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. Early in the morning, Jerob that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Harod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, "'You have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands.' In order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her, announce now to the people, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 left, while 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, There are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will sift them out for you there. If I say, This one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues like a dog from those who kneel down to drink. Three hundred men lapped with their hands to their mouths. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the three hundred that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go, each to their own place. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites to their tents, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up, go down against the camp, because I am going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, Pura, and listen to what they are saying. Afterwards, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Pura, his servant, went down to the outposts of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalcrites, and all the other eastern peoples had settled in the valley, thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of jo- Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he worshipped God. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp blow yours and shout, For the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and the three hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp um, at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars. Grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow, they shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Amidianites ran, crying as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. The army fled to Bethshitta towards Zerahah as far as the border of Abel, Mahola, Netabath. Israelites from Naphtali, Asher, and all Manasseh were called out, and they pursued the Midianites. Gideon sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim, saying, come down against the Midianites and seize the water of Jordan ahead of them as far as Bethbara. So all the men of Ephraim were called out and they took the waters of the Jordan as far as Bethbara. They also captured two of the Midianite leaders, Oreb and Zeb. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb and Zeb at the winepress of Zeb. They pursued the Midianites and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon, who was by the Jordan. This is the word of the Lord.) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.
2: Well done, indeed. Thanks so much, Rebecca. Freddie, do you want to come up? It's great to have uh, Freddie with us again uh, this evening. Freddie's preached here on occasions before and uh, we love your visits to us, brother. Thanks so much for uh, blessing us with your ministry uh, this evening. Freddie is the lead pastor at Christians um, in Action Church. Do look them up. They do a, a wonderful gospel work. Um, they've got a great website, shows you what they're, they're, they're up to. Freddie, it's great to have you with us uh, this evening. Um, I'm going to pray for you in a moment. Okay. But you've been with us before. Just give us a bit of an update. Um, how are you doing at the moment? How's the church doing? Yeah. What well, can we pray for you?
3: Well, good good uh, evening, everybody. It's to say good morning because I'm so <laughs> used to preaching in the morning. But, yeah, we're doing really well. I think that, uh, generally speaking, all of God's people right now are in a little bit of transition. Everywhere I go, there's something. And there's always changing that's going on. So we're kind of been going through some very good changes And uh, I'm very, very pleased with what's been happening there, so uh, it's kind of exciting, a little bit nervous, and God always keeps us on the edge a little bit, just so that we don't get cocky, you know what I mean? So, very well, I can't complain, and you know what, I'm still playing basketball, so I'm very happy, so uh, I was surprised I actually got to beat up a few guys last week, which was
2: very good. (laughs) what What would you love our prayers for for the churches? you you kind of making that you're sort of making adjustments between different yeah. sides of churches and mm-hmm. kind of, yeah
3: yeah we we're on the verge of, of, of really seeing we, we want to see people come to Christ you know we don 't want to see people go from one church to the other, one seating them so the two things we you want one one for something now and one for us in general uh, one of the things that we like to do is let people see who we are, just what you're doing right now. And so we're having something next Saturday called an International Day where we invite our community to come in and uh, they're able to eat the food of our different countries and, and express what we do and things like that. So you can pray that God will bring, put it on the hearts of people in our community to come. Uh, that would be a practical thing that you can pray for now. And, and also, I'm just, if, I'm, if I really ask, you, whenever people say, what would you like me to pray for? I really need the wisdom of God to be able to do what I do to know what you're supposed to do and what you're not. Because it's God's business, isn't it? And if we do what he tells us to do, we're good. So on a personal note, if you want to pray for me, when you pray for me, God, give that man some wisdom. He needs it. Yeah, I'd appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Can I pray now?
2: Sure. Father in heaven, thank you so much for Freddie. Thank you for his family. Thank you for the work of Christians in Action Church. Father, we, pray, um, we really pray with them for uh, this coming weekend. Uh, for this International Day, Father, please would you, uh, yeah, would you put it in the hearts and the minds of lots of their uh, neighbours, people in their community, Mm -hmm. just to come and see what um, the church is about, just to come and see what, uh, who you are, Um, Father, please would you draw um, a bunch of people, people they have had contact with, but maybe also surprise them with people who they've they've not seen before, but who you're, uh, you're prompting to be there. Um, Would they give a wonderful welcome? and mm-hmm. be able to share something of the hope of the gospel um, this weekend. And we pray that uh, for the whole of their ministry. We do pray as we pray here. So we pray for them that uh, more people would come to know the, li- the life-transforming good news of mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, so pray that you would do more than, more than they can ask or imagine, mm-hmm. um, in this next season of their, their life together as a, as a family. And we pray uh, for us as a church family this evening, please, Uh, would you be with Freddie in his words to us? Would they be your words? Mm. Um, Give him, uh, as he speaks, uh, wisdom, um, and in the whole of his leadership and the call that you've laid on his life, uh, great wisdom. And so we pray as your word comes to us now that you would uh, give us soft hearts and attentive minds to hear from you. Um, and in hearing from you, we pray that you would change us.
3: In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you very, very much. And thank you for having me here. Uh, Let's see if, um, let's see what's going to happen when we press the button. Ah, there's the button. Is that how it's supposed to look? I'm just checking, yes. Playing with the toys and see how they work, yes. I love technology. Do you like it? It's great when it works, but when it doesn't, it's not so good. I want to look at the example of Gideon, and I uh, I want to begin by saying that whenever I come and try to share, which I think everyone does, the the goal of us is to really be prophetic, and what I mean by that is not some fancy thing, but really to be uh, to to hear from God. Right? In other words, when you finish, you, you forget about me, but you know that God is there. And in fact, that's one of the reasons why I put the PowerPoint up there. I'm not trying to be cute by any means, but I think the more we see, the more we remember, and so forth. Because I want you to remember uh, what we're saying. And there's some examples that, uh, in this passage that I think will be a blessing to you. Right. So uh, I'm just going to see where it, where it goes. Uh, I want to begin, if you don't mind if I walk around be a little bit, move a little, I hope not, that's not too bad. You and the pillars, I can kind of do like that. I want to remind you that we are in a real spiritual war. Whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, it's true. And I want to just show you, first of all, just a couple of passages that we're very familiar with. You've heard all the time. This is where Paul is writing to the Ephesus church, the church in Ephesus. And at the end of what he's saying, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And he says, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. And then it says this, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in the heavenly places. And you know, when you read this passage, it is like way up there, doesn't it? You know, like, uh, you, when I first read it, I said, Ooh, well, you know, it sounds like this thing, and then you hear people praying about where they're, but what we don't realize is there's stuff that's going on right in front of us. Right? It's what's really fighting, what we're really dealing with is that it's right near us. Right? And I don't have time to deal with these things like that, but I want to show you something else. We're going to look at some physical battles today. But our battles are different, right? Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, though we walk in the flesh, even though we're human beings, we do not war against the flesh. In fact, most of our battles are not punch-ups. You know what I mean? In fact, to be honest, in Scripture, many of the battles, none of them are physical. You remember David, the great David and Goliath thing? The actual physical battle was about 30 seconds. But all the stuff he had to deal with was emotional. He had to deal with his brothers. He had to deal with uh, Saul and all this kind of stuff. The stuff that we deal with is different. And then it says this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So this is prayer. This is something spiritual that's going on. Whether you know it or not, you're in it. You're in it. And so, the battles that we're dealing with are often things that you don't realize. There's spiritual things going on. For example, a lot of times you're fighting with your families. There are things going on. Particularly if you are a believer in your family. Because if you're if you're a believer, and you'll find that a lot of you are that one, you're the one that when when uh, Christmas comes, they say, "Well, we'll get you to pray," you know, and and whenever there's a problem, they blame you, and so forth. And it seems to me that they can get away with murder, but if you say something, oh, you're the Christian. I've heard terms like the big time Christian, the happy clappy Christian, that kind of thing. A lot of times, the battles that we're dealing with are with our relationships. People that we're close to, where our expectations are higher. At your job, where you're trying to live right, and because you're trying to live right, somebody doesn't like it. How about your health? Is God in that? You know, what about when you get sick? How do you deal with that? How about your church? Uh Uh-oh. Are there battles in church? You better believe it. If I were the devil, I'd want to ruin this thing right here, right? And if I can get a few of you fighting against each other, if I can if I can uh, twist you up, make you think that this one thought that he did that, might have been done this, and we don't want to hurt each other, and we don't, so we back off and everything like that, that's exactly what I want to do. I have found in my brief Christian life of 40-something years, right, that most of the battles that I've been fighting against were not so much out there. I find sinners a lot easier. Because I know what they're dealing with, and they know what I'm dealing with, and they talk to me about all kinds of stuff, and I talk to them straight. Mm -hmm. But there's this thing of expectation in families. There's a thing in expectation in churches. And there's always the temptation to divide. So, this thing that's recorded, was recorded for our benefit. And if we can look and see what happened with Gideon, I think we can get a little bit of experience so we can deal with the things that we're dealing with. All right, So, let's let's have a look at what's happened so far, just so we rehearse, because I know you've already been dealing with this. You've got the Midianites who are pressing God's people, and the reason why they're oppressing God's people is because they're not obeying. They're not doing what they're supposed to do. And so, this prophet comes along and he rebukes them and they're they're sorry and so forth and so on. And then, the angel of the Lord, which I wish I had time to deal with because uh, uh, some say yes, some say no. They call this, some people call this a Christophany or something like that. Was it Jesus? Anyway, the angel of the Lord appears to him and tells him that he's going to save Israel from the men. And, like anybody, he goes, yes, but right? No, he's scared to death. He's afraid. And so he's scared, and God tells him what to do, and at God's command, he tears down this altar, but he's so scared, he does it at night. So we're all, you've done this already, okay? Now, isn't it true that sometimes we feel oppressed too, isn't it? Don't answer that. Yes, it is, right? Do we often feel guilty because of the things that we've done and feel like we can't get anywhere? Yes, we do. Sometimes, is it our fault? Yes, it is. Uh, But isn't it true that Jesus promises us that he'll always be with us? It is. And is it not true that when God tells us something to do, we're often afraid to do it? I find that God always gives us something that's too hard for us. It seems like every time we're pushing, it seems impossible. And that way he gets the glory for it. So, let's go a little bit further. Gideon was afraid, but God told him to fight. So, this is where we are in the story. And what I'm going to do, I'm just going to go through it again. By the way, whatever, whichever one, I don't know who that young lady was that was reading it, but you did a great job. Right, you did it with the Amalekites and the hit all the names, the kites and the heights and things like that. A lot of times we just skip over that stuff, but you did very, very well. I'm going to look at this again, okay? So, the first thing I want you to see is that God gave Gideon power to do the job. And if there's something that God has called us to do in our families, in our homes, in our church, whatever, God will give us the power to do it. So let's read this again. It says, Then the Midianites and the Amalekites, the people of the east, gathered together. They crossed over, camped against the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Then he blew the trumpet, and the Ebenezer, this is a family, another family gathered behind him, right? And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, pay attention to this, who also gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali. These were the tribes of Israel. And they came up to meet them. So, God gave this man, this afraid man, this scared man, power when the Holy Spirit came upon him. And this is what happens when God gives you a task to do. Now, if we add this to our families, to our jobs, wherever we are, he became much more bold. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. He became much more bold. And listen to this also. He receives favor from the people in order to do it. Sometimes you you say, but I can't do this. Nobody's going to help me. God literally caused different tribes, different people to come and join him to make it possible to do what he was doing, right? So, first thing God did, he gave him power. Then, God gave him confirmation. I love this, right? Because don't we struggle sometimes trying to get it right? God, did you really say this? Now, I'm going to ask you a straight question. How many of you can honestly say that at some point in your life, You've heard from God about something. Raise your hand. At some point, you're I'm glad you look around. All right? That means God speaks to us. Now, if I ask you, was it a high voice or was it a low voice? What would you say? Ah, uh, It was not. It, was it a male voice or was it a female? No, well, no, no. It wasn't like. You, you get me. But we know that God has spoken to us at some times. Sometimes. But sometimes, don't we struggle? Don't we find it difficult? Particularly when we're trying to get some some direction about some difficult circumstances and so forth. God, if he has something for us to do, if we're supposed to stand in our families, if we're, we're supposed to stand in our churches, God will confirm what he needs to do. Watch this, okay? So Gideon said to God, if you have Israel by my hand, as you have said, look, I can put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there's dew on the fleece only and it's dry on the ground, then I shall know that you, that you shall save Israel by my hand, as you have said. You ever throw a fleece out there? And it was so. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water that wasn't good enough. I mean, you look and say, "Ah, uh, that could have happened, you know, that could have gone. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me. But let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry on the fleece, but all on the ground let there be dew. And the Lord did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew all over the ground. God wants you to know His will. He's he's not like Monopoly, you know? Take a chance. Go back three spaces. He's not like that. God wants us to know His will. And He doesn't mind giving us assurances of His will. Let me give you an example. Do you remember Mary? The Virgin Mary, I'm sure you've heard of her, yes? Kind of famous lady. You remember when the the angel of the Lord came to her and said, you're going to have a baby. Uh, We celebrate that at Christmas, don't we? But there was an interesting thing that happened. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? How can this be? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the holy one who is to be born will be called the Son of God. So God said, This is what's going to happen. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. So she said, "I don't know. How can this happen? I don't know, man." And God says, "Listen. Let me tell you what's going to what's going to happen. I can help you." He did that with Moses, didn't he? He told Moses what he needed to do too. And then here's her response. Mary said, "All right. Behold. You know, behold means look. The maid servant of the Lord. I'm your servant. Let it be to me according to your word." And then the angel. Departed from her. God doesn't mind talking to us if we really want to know. However, however, he doesn't like unbelief. Now, this is in the same chapter. Remember a guy named Zechariah? Zechariah was a priest, and he was ministering and so forth, and an angel came to him. And when the angel came to him, he said that you're going to have a son. And here's Zechariah's response. Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? That's not the same response. Mary said, how are you going to do this? Zechariah says, prove it. That's what he's saying. How shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. How are you going to do this? That's what he's really saying. And guess what happened? This is I think this is amazing. The angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel. Or no, do you know who you know who you're talking to? I am Gabriel. In fact, I stand in the presence of God. And I can imagine a couple angels behind him going, go on, brother. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, I'm this, this is the Freddie Roberson translation. You know, but I'm just you know when he I can just imagine Gabriel being all nice and everything. He said, How he goes, What? Do you know who I am? I am Gabriel, brother. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and bring you these good things. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. That's a little ad-lib. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. So what's the difference between Mary and Zechariah? Mary He's she's going, how are you going to do this? There's nothing wrong with that. But in the East, okay, all right. Where Zachariah is going, I don't believe it. Prove it. And sometimes God has to zap us in order to get us straight. You know, there's an amazing passage in, in the side. I think it's Psalm 32. I think it is. I'm not sure. I've always quoted, but I forget it. It says, it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. We love that, don't we? Thank you, Lord. But then it says, do not be like the horse or the mule who has no understanding, who must be bridled before they come to you. Don't be stubborn, right? Because God doesn't like it when we fight against him. Sometimes we fight against him. Sometimes in our families, there's senior people in our family, like husbands and fathers, and we fight against them. Sometimes in our churches, there are leaders that God has raised up, but we fight against them. Don't do that. Let's go a little further. Number three, he gave him the right people for the job. I love this, okay? Then um, Zerubbabel, that's what he's called, that is Gideon. And all the people who were with him rose early and encamped, all these other families with him, beside the well of of Herod uh, to the camp of the Midianites. So, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Morth and the valley. And by the way, all of this tells you that this actually happened. This was real. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me, to give the Midianites in their hands. Let Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him de- de- let him turn and depart at once, from Mount Gilead. Sometimes it's good to do that. Right? Because fear can mess you up. You've got a project, you're trying, you guys get ready to do something this week, right? It's so, like, hey, hey, well, how are we going to do this? I don't know where this is going. Sometimes, if you don't think it can be done, let somebody else do it. By the way, I can say this because I don't know anything about what's happening. But I can almost guarantee this these days, because it happens all the time. Yeah? Whoever's fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people return, and 10,000 remain. That's a whole bunch of people. But we still got 10,000. But the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And of whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall go with you. So now God is choosing who's going to go. Interesting, isn't it? So I brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laughs from the water with his tongue, as a dog laughs, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. So if you go like this, and you go like this, but if you go like this, then we're going to switch you, okay? Alright, so, simple enough. And the number of those who left put in their hands on their mouth was 300 men. Hold on. What's the difference? The guys that are doing this are quite easily subject to getting beat up. Right? Because you're not But the guys that are doing this have got their eyes open. Yeah? It's interesting, isn't it? There are only 300 with their eyes open. Sometimes there's not a lot of people that have their eyes open. And by the way, To have your eyes open is a calling. There's a a thing that we call visionaries, and there are very few of them. There are very few people who are visionaries. When you know that there is one, it's okay if you're not one. How do you know a visionary? Right? Uh, A person who isn't a visionary will be able to tell you why the thing, what the problem is, right, what the difficulties are, but they'll never be able to tell you what to do. The visionary will be able to say, we can do this if we do this, that, that, and this. Right? I have been in meetings where people have gone, we don't know what to do. And I say, well, you can do this, that, that. And they go, impossible. How can you do that? And they, they're going to fight you, but they have no other answer. Right? Sometimes you've got to know who God is speaking through. All right? Let's go a little bit further. So 300 men, but all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water, right? Then the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who left, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. I wonder how they went. I wonder some people, I didn't really want to fight any. I wonder people, well, I let them do it themselves. Well, they don't know nothing. I've been here for 25 years. I know how to do this thing. This is what Well, you know, I wonder. I don't know. But I'm sure they didn't go and just be quiet. That's for sure. All right? So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hand and he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of the Midianites was below him in the valley. So, God gave him the right people. Gideon did what everybody would normally do. He gathered as many people as possible. That's normal. You're about to fight somebody. You're going to get as many troops as you He did but There's nothing wrong, again, with doing what we think should be done. But God said no. And so what did God do? He drastically cut the number down. He did. He will often move people out of the way so that our dependence is not on us, but on him. You know, I'm actually technically the director of Christians in Action in the United Kingdom. That makes me, I'm the air director for Europe and India. Sounds really big, but you know, not that much. You know how I became that way? God got rid of everyone. <laughs> because they never would have put me in charge. I'm just being honest. Right? So, what did God do? He made everybody quit. <laughs> So I was on, me and this other guy, we were the only two left. Like, okay, well, you're the boss, I guess, you know. And that's sometimes God has to do that. And, and you know what? It doesn't have to be a bad thing. It doesn't. To move to the side, to change, it doesn't. If we just stop fighting, you <laughs> know what I mean? I remember when I first came here, uh, people were at odds with each other. And there was all this stuff. And I thought, and I learned a great lesson from that. I said, Lord, I don't ever want this to happen to me. Whoever I'm dealing with, please help me so I don't have to fight with them. I don't have to argue with them. If if somebody has to move on, let me let them move. And you know what? I've been here since 1980. That's, That's 43 years. And I've never had to yell at anyone. I've had to deal with people, but I've never had to yell at anyone. I never had to have a big fight. You know why? Because, number one, the ministry doesn't belong to me in the first place. It's not mine. Right? You see, if, if I bought that pew right there, I'd be fighting for it. You know? But if it's God's pew, he can do what he wants to do with it. You get me? So, sometimes change is okay. Don't be surprised if God moves people around when he's about to do something new. In your family, he'll do that. At your workplace, He'll do that. In every circumstance, we forget that God is in control. Alright, I'm almost done. I promise you to be out in two hours. Okay, no, I'm kidding. God gave Him courage. You see, God can call you. You can become obedient. But He needs to give you courage. And courage is funny. Because... Courage is only necessary when you have a reason to be afraid. If you're not afraid, you don't need courage. So, have you ever been afraid to do something? It's at that point that you need courage. And when you need it, God will strengthen your hand. So watch this. It happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise! Go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hands. Oh, that's, that's encouraging, isn't it? But if you are afraid, and I guess God said, well, he needed two fleece. So he's probably a bit nervous. <laughs> and he's only going in with 300. I guess he's probably a bigger. God knows how weak we are. He does, right? But if you're afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Purah, your servant. And you shall hear what they say. And afterwards, your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. You know, sometimes I, I don't even realize that God, I needed something. And God will just confirm something for me just to help me to do it. And I didn't even realize that I needed it. Then he went down to poor, with poor and servant to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. Now, the Midianites and Amalekites, there's a bunch of... Kites. They're everywhere, aren't they? All the people of the east were lying in the valleys as numerous as locusts. Wow. And their camels were without number as the sands by the seashore in Moseley. You can just imagine looking at a hill and you're just seeing all these people and you go, how in the world am I going to fight them? You know, sometimes our problems look that way, don't they? There's no way I can deal with this. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. <coughs> it came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned, and the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. I wonder if the guy, where he got that information from. I wonder. Wow. And they're listening to this. And so it was, when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and his interpretation, that was all he needed. He worshipped, because he knew it was from God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise! The Lord has delivered a cabin many. He was, can, can you imagine? He didn't go arise. Let's go, guys! Let's go! guys! It's time! He probably told him the dream, too. He probably told him. Then he divided 300 men into three companies. And he put a trumpet into every man's hand and empty pitchers and torches inside the pitcher. By the way, where did he get that information from? God. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. Watch. And when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. And when I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say, the sword of the Lord and the Gideon. Say it loud. Guys, somebody said once, I'm black and I'm proud. No, don't say that. Say it, the sword of the Lord and Gideon. God gave this man the courage to do it. So, if God gives you a task to do, He'll always find a way to encourage you to do it. You know what's so funny? Because there's some things that we have to do that we haven't been prepared for. My wife, I love her to bit. She's the best wife I ever had. Uh, once I said that in the church, they went, "How many have you had? I've only had one." Right? When our son. When my my wife was pregnant with our first boy, she finally went into labor. Ladies, you know you have these wannabe laborers where you think you're in labor and you're not in labor. Then then this thing called the waters break, right? And when that happens, then then these contractions start coming, right? And they're far apart and they get closer. My wife got in the middle of her contractions. And you know what she did? She looked at me and she said, Freddie, I've changed my mind. I don't want to have this baby. (laughs) And I was like, Good job. She was serious. She and she looked at me like, "So, would you please cancel this order, please?" She did. She looked at me like this, right? Because that was. See, was, this was hurting, right? But there's some things that even when they hurt, you're gonna have to go through them, aren't you? She couldn't turn back, and she did. And my son came, and all went well. But boy, she didn't like it very much. I'll never forget that. Uh. uh, uh, uh I don't want to do it. Too late. Sorry. If God gives you a baby, he's going to get, help you deliver. Yeah? Sometimes there are babies that God wants to deliver. Sometimes there are things in your family. God, I, I want to see my kids saved. God, I want to see change in my workplace. God, I want to see something happening with this ministry and so forth. If God gives you a task, he'll find a way to encourage you to do it. And by the way, If there's no way of encouragement to do it, maybe he hasn't given you the task. Sometimes we take on tasks that God never intends to do. Finally, God gave him victory. This is something. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle of the watch. Just as, as they had posted the watch, and they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands, then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. Can you imagine? Da you see this light and it's going like this. And they held the torches in their left hand and the trumpets in their right hand. <speaking in> hand for they're blowing, And they cried the sword of the hand, the sword of Gideon. And if you're scared. That's scary, isn't it? Interesting, isn't it? And every man stood in his place all around the camp, and the whole army and ran, ran, and cried out and fled. When the three hundred blew the trumpets, the Lord set "The Lord the Lord said, the Lord said, the Lord said set every man's sword against his companion." Can you imagine? They're running away. Oh, you were, and they're fighting each other. They're fighting each other. This is, I call this opposite devil. You know why I say this? Because the devil tried to get us to fight each other. But God got them to fight each other. We need to turn that around. We need to turn that around. The Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. And the army fled to Beth Acadia <clears throat> toward. Somewhere, <laughs> and the men of Israel gathered together from Nephtali, Asher, and Manasseh, and pursued the Midianites. Then Gideon sent messengers throughout the mountains of Ephraim, saying, "Come down against the Midian." By the way, Ephraim was the top tribe at the time, right? And that's why he said to them, and they get mad because it's like you led without. It. He had some problems later with them because they were like, "How dare you go without us?" Sometimes you have to deal with the problems too. Come down against the Midianites and seize them, Seize from them the watering places as far as Beth Bar and the Jordan. Then all the men of Ephraim gathered together and seized the watering places as far as Beth Barah and of Jordan. Uh, and they captured two princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb. These were great men. They killed Oreb at the Rock of War. That's why you can say they're great, because they named the rock after where they died. The Rock of War. And Zeb they killed at the wine press of Zeb. They named it. It was something to remember because to, to destroy those armies was something else. Just like when you, in the Bible talks about Shihon, King of the Amorites, and Ah, King of Bashan. Those are very important people. Big people. So you got a rock named after one and you got a wine press there. That was a big slaughter. They pursued Minian and brought the heads of Orb and Zeb to, to, to Gideon to the other side of the Jordan. So they received Victory. Victory. What am I saying? Let me summarize. Number one, don't forget that we are in a real war. We fight against spiritual enemies. They're not way up there, they're right in front of us. A lot of the stuff that we think is going on, I actually believe that there's spirits that uh, we're, I'm doing a whole series on the last days. And we're talking about doctrines taught by demons. We're talking about deceiving spirits. And that's what the devil does. That's what his job is. Most of the time, the hassle you get are from people who have been deceived. People who are, have been fooled. And you know what? This happens in church, too. It happens with those that are closest to us. I don't want it to happen to me. I don't want it to be the one. We use spiritual weapons, not Physical weapons. Uh, We really need to learn more how to pray. We really do. Because prayer is really the key. I, I don't know why God chooses to do this, because he doesn't need us. But he chooses to work with. I guess it's the same, the way that we work with our children. You know, Go clean your room. We could clean their room for them, but we say you clean because we want them to learn. You get me? He chooses to work with us. Then, I want to say this to you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Wherever you are, whatever your circumstances, whatever your situation, don't be afraid. You know, um, there's this real interesting phrase that we see in the Bible where it talks about testing. Right? And That word sounds kind of strange. Does God test us? When we think of testing, we think He's tempting us. He's not tempting us. He's testing us. If any of you are school teachers, I can guarantee you that sooner or later, you put your students to a test, don't you? But you test them to succeed. You get me? You don't test them to fail. How many teachers are going, you know what? I've got 50 students and they're about to, I, how many are going to quit? I want to say, I hope they, I hope they all. The teacher is only successful if they get 100% pass rate. So when God puts us through stuff, he tests us to succeed. To succeed. So what happens when it feels like, I don't know what's happening with my body. I don't know what's going on. Do we trust God or not? What happens when my husband is a total idiot? Do we trust God or not? When my kids look like they're going bananas, I don't know what to do with them. Do we trust God or not? If we trust God, we're going to learn what he tells. We're going to look to him. Uh, I'm being honest with you. There's a lot of stuff I just didn't know. So I love my wife. I love my kids. And because I love my wife and I love my kids, I wanted to know. So I went to God, and God would direct me in everything I needed to do. Everything. And when I made a mistake, he covered for me too. So don't be afraid. God will give you power to do whatever he wants to do. If you seek him, you will find him. If you ask him, he will help you. God will give you assurance of what he wants to do. If you seek him, you will find him. You will. Either he's God or he isn't. We've been influenced by Greek thinking. In Greek thinking, the gods are up there and the people are down here and the gods are fickle and we don't know what they're doing. And So that's what people think in the West. But in Hebrew thinking and in Eastern thinking, God is down here. He's with us. Right? In fact, in the, in the East, it wasn't a matter of did you believe in God? It was which God. And we serve the God who hears, we serve the God who listens, we serve the God who knows. God will give you assurance of what he wants you If God wants you to do something, he'll tell you. If you're listening. You know, people say, should I go to the mission field? Should I become a preacher? And God says, go to church. Huh? If you don't start doing the stuff he tells you to do, he's not going to give you the next instruction. Remember Samuel? Samuel never heard his voice. And God, Eli said to him, if those of you who know your Bibles, Eli said to him, the next time you hear that voice, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And once he he focused, he was able to hear what God has to say. God is talking all the time. God will give you assurance of what he wants you to do. He will give you the right people to help you. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I know he will. He will give you courage to fight. And, and, we're assured of victory. It's not always the way it looks. He didn't promise me a mansion in, on earth, but he said there's space in heaven. We are assured of victory. So, I'm assuming that you're in the series because God directed it. Which means that like me, we both are in the same boat. We're fighting. We're fighting. We're fighting. Don't think you're not. Oh, I'm too old. No, you're not. Oh, I'm too young. No, I'm not. Oh, I've got 2.2 children. Let me tell you, your first fight is right in your neighborhood, right with your family. That's the first one. And then it goes to your church because if you learn how to love your wife, you can love the people in your church. If you learn how to love the people in your church, you can love the people outside. So, guess what? God gives you a husband, he gives you a wife, and you find out that you guys speak a completely different language. Don't know what we're talking about. If you can say, I love you, regardless, you can do that with anybody. So we're in it. But we're in it to win. Let's pray. Let me pray for you. And as I'm, as I'm praying now, I don't, I don't know where God wants to go. But I do know that this building has been dedicated to God for many, many years. And I'm sure that this place right here, thank you guys, I'm sure that this place right here has been dedicated to God. We have a spot in our fellowship we just consider it like the well. And, and every now and again, we will just say, come to the well and come and, and let God minister to you. I don't know where you are and it's a good thing that I don't right? But maybe God wants to do something today. And sometimes it's important for us to respond to him. I've been told that there's some prayer, There's a prayer team in the back, in the corner. If you really are, are going through and say, I need to hear from God. Maybe you need to go and talk to someone. Or maybe you just like, let's do me a favor. Can we all just stand as we pray? Let's stand. Yes? I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to go into a time of worship, I guess. And we're going to ask God to help us to see, help us to understand, help us to know what's happening to us right now. We are in the last days, and there's a whole bunch of stuff going on, and half of it we're not even aware of. Father, we love you so much. We recognize you as the God of heaven and earth, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. There is no one like you. And one day it's true that every knee, rich or poor, every knee will bow. Kings of the earth, presidents, rulers. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We know that one day, even the principalities, even the demonic forces themselves, will have to submit. They submit already, but they will bow to. And so here we are, standing before you, and the only reason why we can do that is because of what we celebrated earlier, through the blood of your son. Here we are, Father. We're weak in ourselves. We can't do anything in our own strength. But Lord, when you speak to us, when your spirit comes upon us, when you begin to move in our lives, something happens. Lord, I pray that that something would happen right here in our midst. I ask you to open our eyes to see. Give us a heart to want to know you deeper. And then give us the ability to do so. Because you said that you're the one that makes us want to do your will and then makes us able to do your will. Father, somebody might be hurting today. Somebody might have been thinking about getting divorced. I don't know. Somebody might have been struggling in our very fellowship today. Lord, I just ask you to come to them right now. I ask you to strengthen their hand. Father, somebody might be ill. Lord, just because I'm saying it, I'm your servant, Father. But Lord, would you stretch forth your hand? Would you touch someone today? Would you help us in our weakness that we would know that you did it too? Because Lord, we want to stand in your way. Give us the victory. That we need. Show us what we're fighting and show us the way ahead. I pray your blessing in this place. I pray that you speak in this place. I pray that you strengthen your people on this day. And I give you the glory in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Corden Podcast.